Did, did you guys have a video? Or? Oh, well, we got time. You want to see it this service? Oh, it's not working. Oh, well, that fits right in with my sermon. <laughs> All right. There we go. Um, as I continue the series on the Holy Spirit, it's amazing how God prepares the way and things and what you've already heard, but I'm going to preach today on the Spirit and spiritual warfare. And I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And it goes like this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me whenever I speak. Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. For I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. What the scriptures clearly teach is that what happens in the heavenly invisible realm directly controls what happens in the visible earthly realm. We as Christians are in a war, whether we like it or not. And I have to be very honest with you, I don't like it one bit. I remember once after an empower encounter with evil or an exorcism or if you don't know what that means, to cast out a demon in somebody. I woke up that night with a feeling of absolute fear for no apparent reason. It was a dread that made my skin crawl, and I knew it was retaliation for what had happened earlier in the day. I rebuked the spirit, and the fear and the spirit left immediately. Later that same week, our car was broken into twice, the first time to steal our stereo, the second simply for the sake of writing pro negative profanity against me on the dashboard of my car. I mean, who breaks into a car just to write, you know, profanity against you? Several appliances broke in our house for no reason. And Kim and I, the next day after this encounter, had the worst fight we had had in about 10 years, and we've had some good ones. And I knew I had stirred up a hornet's nest. When God moves or is about to move, so does the enemy. In a way, it's a backhanded compliment. Satan only goes after what he perceives to be a threat to his kingdom. He only tries to damage what he feels will damage him. The devil fights when God is moving. I like what Brother Joe said, you know, the devil is not just going to stand around while you do God's will and do nothing about it. 
Please hear me on this. I'm not trying to be weird-er, nor have I gone off the deep end more than usual. But experience is a teacher to us all, and I am no different, and I have learned some lessons in 35 years here and 42 years in ministry. And I realize there's a real need for balance in this area. The last thing I want is for Christians to go around sniffing out demons everywhere. As C.S. Lewis said, Christians make two basic mistakes about Satan. They think about him too much or they think about him too little. Either is a great danger. By the way, what I'm talking about is not an area for the weak or new Christians or the novice. What I'm talking about takes a tremendous amount of spiritual discernment. We must be cautious about ascribing anything to Satan. We are called to be Christ-conscious, God-conscious, Spirit-conscious. After all, it is Christ who is everywhere, not Satan. It is Christ who is all-powerful, not Satan. It is Christ who is the victor, not Satan. It is the Holy Spirit in us, not Satan's spirit. We must never forget that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Nor is it helpful at all to dodge personal responsibility for our behavior by blaming the devil for it. We are responsible for our behavior, period. Unless, unless you are, have a mental illness that is currently out of control or you are totally possessed by the devil, your sin is your sin. Besides the devil, there is such a thing as fallen human nature, which the Bible calls the flesh, and a fallen world we live in, which tempts us constantly. To be honest, we would sin and do dumb things even if there wasn't a devil or powers or principalities in the air. As Louis Studo, the, the, the former outreach pastor, he, he grew up in a, he was saved and went to a church in Brooklyn, and he said one of the mottos in that church was, don't cast out what needs to be crucified. Isn't that a great statement? Don't cast out what needs to be crucified. Don't ascribe to Satan what is your stuff. Don't blame Satan for your sin. Don't say the devil made me do it when he never did any such thing. You did it. And it needs to be confessed and changed with God's help. The existence of a devil and his ability to influence in no way releases us from our personal responsibility our fallen nature is the primary problem, not even the powers and principalities. But nevertheless, there is an invisible realm that deeply influences what goes on around us. And to be ignorant of it is to be vulnerable to it. We must understand how Satan works. We must understand his lies. We must understand his strategies. I want to be biblical on this. And there is a reality the Bible talks about again and again that needs to be heeded and dealt with. And to be quite honest with you, I am so tired of the devil doing the same old stuff over and over again in my life and in the life of this church. I am tired of the devil gaining footholds we give him and watching people get clobbered. And I do believe with all my heart Jesus wants it to stop. And the first thing I need to say in, the, in this area is this. It is a dictum of any war. Know thy enemy. As Paul says in Ephesians, we are not to be ignorant of the devil's schemes. 
We are called to know how the devil works, to know his bag of tricks, to know when he is working. Certain powers and principalities and demons do certain things. They use certain strategies over and over. It is certainly true here. This text this morning says nothing less than we are called to arms. We are commanded to be strong in the Lord, spiritually bulk up in the truth and in grace. We are called to put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against Satan and his evil schemes. We are not to be caught with our pants down. Our job as Christians is a call to stand in the power of the Spirit against unspeakable evil, against powers and principalities in high places. And Paul was not simply thinking about structures of evil such as governments or society structures like I was taught in seminary. He was talking about spiritual beings seeking to disrupt life as God intended it. So let's get down to brass tacks. How does Satan, or to be more accurate, the powers and principalities in this area that work for Satan, attack us specifically as a church? I will give you three ways that I've watched for 35 years. The first is the attack on leadership in this church. I have been astounded at how hard hit our pastoral staff has been and their families have been through the years. It has been extraordinary. You could write a book alone on how Pastor Cedra's life and how her family has been hit over and over and over. Pastor Patty has had health issues and in her family there has been health issues. Pastor Linda just got exactly the same kind of cancer that Pastor Cedra had. What a coincidence. And she My, was healed. Remember, uh, uh, over a year ago, I had a dream, and a person stood in front of my door in my bedroom and said, I am going to take what's yours. And two days later, my wife was laying on the ground, unable to breathe with a blood clot in her heart. We have been attacked. And that's just the physical attacks. I'm not talking about the spiritual attacks, I'm not talking about the relational attacks. And if you want to pray for me, Pray for me on Sunday nights. After I preach, hell comes after me. And I am particularly vulnerable. After I go to sleep on Sunday nights, you talk about crazy dreams. Condemning thoughts out of nowhere that wake me suddenly out of a deep sleep. Or feelings of dread not attached to any reason to feel such feelings like I described earlier after that exorcism. I know myself and how my mind works. And this is not my psychological stuff. I am neurotic, but this goes way beyond that. Please pray for the leadership of this church. That's what Paul says. He says, pray. Pray for God's people. Pray for the Lord's people. And he says, pray for me. Pray for me. A second way Satan attacks us is by trying to pollute the spiritual atmosphere here. Sometimes I call it Satan's itching powder. There's something that feels oppressive, something that hinders worship, something that causes people's weaknesses to be amplified. Let me say it again. Satan takes our weaknesses and sins and he amplifies them. Questions about others. When Satan is amplifying, he takes questions about others and he turns them into suspicions of others and then to judgment and dislike of others. When Satan is amplifying, he takes concerns and turns them into fears. 
When Satan is amplifying, he takes anger and turns it into rage and bitterness. When Satan is amplifying, he turns guilt into condemnation and then alienation from God and temptation increases. I was talking with a person the other day who gave me permission to share this story. And this person was talking about God revealing a demonic foothold in her family. She, was, uh, she has watched for several generations, including herself and her children, a disproportional rage in her family. One day the Spirit told her to fast for three days because this anger was fueled by more than learned behavior passed from generation to generation or mere uh, genetic predisposition towards anger. The Spirit told her there was a demonic foothold that needed to be dealt in her family that had been passed on for generations to generations. This person was amazed that God was telling her this. She is intelligent, she is professional, she has a PhD, and she wants nothing to do with this kind of stuff. She is shocked. But the Spirit said, what is going on here is more than just you. It must be dealt with. And so we prayed, and we're going to keep praying until this bondage is broken. This is the principle of amplification Satan uses. Take weaknesses and exploit it. Take a sin and multiply it. Take a problem and amplify it all out of proportion. Fuel anger into rage. When Satan is attacking, his goal is to make bad things worse. His goal is to pollute the spiritual atmosphere by getting us to focus on faults and fears and sins in here and stop focusing on Christ and the move of His Spirit in here. This pollution must be cleaned up. These attacks cannot go unchallenged. I'll say more about that in a little bit. A third way Satan attacks this church that I've watched for 35 years is something strange, and it almost sounds silly, but I'll say it anyway. When Satan attacks this church, things start breaking. My cars get whacked. I'm not kidding you. My Hyundai had the front grill and bumper and fender ripped off of it in the last several weeks. I have had three cars totaled while I was in bed asleep. I'm serious. One, one, one night, a drunk woman got two of them in one whack. I probably shouldn't tell you. No, I won't tell you this. <laughs> I've, had, I've had a car totaled a drunk in the middle of the night while I was going sleeping backwards. while it was parked. I challenge anybody to beat that. I've had one year, I had, in a stretch of two years, I had my car broken into six times. When the devil comes after me, you pray for me on Sunday nights and pray for my cars. <laughs> you know, Sheila told me that the other night the Lord told her she was about to park in front of her house and the Lord said, don't park there. And so she moved her car to somewhere else and a car, there was a wreck and one of the cars went flying through the air and landed where she was about to park that car. And she said, praise God, Jesus protected my car. And I should be a bigger person, but my first response was, I wish Jesus loved my cars like he loves your cars. <laughs> by the way, by the way, last Sunday, I mean, New Year's Eve, the heating went out in the sanctuary. We had to change to the Christian Ed room. And then the heating stayed out Sunday morning. And last Sunday, we didn't have heat in the sanctuary. We figured if enough people got in here, there'd be enough hot air to warm us all. Don't look at me that way. 
And then this last Sunday, I mean last Thursday, our phone system went crazy. Our copier quit working. And then, of course, there's always the technical joys we have every Sunday morning here. When there is an attack, stuff breaks. So how do we deal with these attacks? The first is this. I have two or three recommendations. And here's the first. Don't give demonic forces a foothold in your life. Do what the Apostle John calls walking in the light. Walking in the light means living transparently with God and other Christians you trust. It means living in openness like they do in Alcoholics Anonymous or Celebrate Recovery meetings when people struggle with bondages and addictions. I'm talking about footholds here. I'm talking about bondage. In other words, all of us mess up. All of us get angry sometimes. All of us deal with sexual temptation sometimes. But you know when it goes beyond anger and you're addicted to anger. You know when it goes beyond normal sexual temptation and you're a sex addict. You know, some of, and some people here, to be honest, they're, they're addicted not to these things, alcohol and drugs. They're addicted to control. They're addicted to gossip. They're addic- you know, you can be addicted to anything. I'm talk- That's what I mean by a foothold or a bondage in your life. What are you addicted to? What has you and you don't have it? And the best way to deal with these footholds or bondages is to live a life of confession. As one writer put it, to confess means to own up to the fact that our behavior wasn't the result of bad parenting, poor genes, jealous siblings, or a chemical imbalance from too many Twinkies. Any or all of those things may be involved. Human behavior is a complex thing. But confession means saying that somewhere in the mix was a choice And the choice was made by us, and it does not need to be excused, explained, or even understood. The choice needs to be confessed. It needs to be forgiven. It needs to be repented of. The slate has to be wiped clean. At the heart of it, confession involves taking appropriate responsibility for what we have done. This is not easy to do. We are always trying to slip out of it. Often what starts as a confession ends up as an excuse. It wasn't really my fault. I was having a bad day or I didn't get enough. Just own it. And confession should be specific and concrete and particular. No hemming and hawing around it. As it says in AA and in in the fourth step of the 12 steps, our confessions need to reflect a fearless and ruthless moral inventory. You never get better by lying to yourself. You never get better. Own it. Own it concretely. Deal with your habitual sins and addictions that cause, that give Satan a place to inhabit in your life. Kim and I have an apartment in the back of our property. We rent it when our kids aren't living in it. We haven't rented it in years. (laughs) Years ago, I remember one of the renters came to us and said, we've got a problem. And I said, what is our problem? And the renter said, the apartment is infested with fleas. They bite me day and night. And this person showed me multiple flea bites. I asked this person where they thought the fleas were coming from. And the renter said, I think the fleas are coming from the mice that have infested the apartment. 
maybe a rat or two. I said, you mean the apartment is infested with fleas because it's infested with rodents? Yes, said my renter. And I said, what do you think is drawing the rodents? And my renter said, I have no idea. So I went back to the apartment, and it immediately became evident what was attracting the rodents who were attracting the fleas. The place was absolutely filthy. The stove was almost encrusted over. Old food and garbage was on the shelves and on the floor all over. I looked up and grease was dripping from the ceiling. It looked like a stalactite. And I, 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 I can't... Oh! <laughs> and so I said, between clenched teeth... <laughs> There's no use trying to get rid of the fleas until we get rid of the rodents. And the rodents aren't going anywhere until the food and garbage is cleaned up. Nothing goes away until you get rid of the rodents buffet line in this house. Then we'll fumigate and set out mouse traps. You see, this is why you can't ignore certain sins or places why, where you are in bondage. Because if you leave certain doors open long enough, something you don't want just may walk in. If you leave certain things that stink lying around long enough, something may visit that you don't want in your house. Dr. Charles Kraft writes that demons are like rats who have infested your home because they're drawn to the spiritual garbage inside. He says, if you have a problem with rats, don't blame the rats. It's your garbage. Clean up your garbage and the rats will go someplace else. But bondages are tough. That's why walking in the light means walking with other Christians. Rarely, and I mean rarely, is an addiction or a foothold defeated alone. We desperately need each other to overcome certain sins. One of, of, of evil's most common lies is, if you are a good Christian, you wouldn't need somebody to help you with this. You wouldn't need somebody to pray with you about this. You wouldn't need somebody to be accountable with about this. You wouldn't need someone to encourage you. i got news for you. That lie is straight from hell. That is as unbiblical as the day is long. Let me say this as plain as I can. If the forces of evil can keep us in isolation and alone with the stuff we can't handle, their victory is easy. You will fail again and again and again. Often before Satan does anything else, he tries to get you to take your sin and live in secrecy. You are as only sick as your secrets Walk in the light. Find someone to share your burdens and weaknesses with. I don't care if it's a pastor or a spiritual director or a Christian therapist. I don't care if it's an older, more mature believer or a men's group or a women's group. I don't care if it's Celebrate Recovery or one-to-one -one with someone who has had a similar journey or problem or in our small groups we talked about. The main thing is this, if you have any kind of bondage in your life, do not journey alone. Walk in the light. 
Take away the foothold of the enemy who, while you are alone, will tempt you to fail and then condemn you for failing. This is how the enemy works. Know this and counteract it. Develop strategies using the full armor of God and the body of Christ and prayer to get rid of the rats. I ask you, if there's rats in your life, where is the garbage? The second way we defeat the powers and principalities is simple. We must pray. Jesus told us this kind is only defeated by prayer and fasting. Some things are only defeated by prayer in the world that will defeat powers and principalities. There is not a single board decision. You know, I wish I could go to the board and say, look, uh, the devil's attacking. I make a motion, we cast him out. That is not going to work. Some things only come by prayer and fasting. Only the Spirit can defeat evil and the evil one. And Paul tells us how to pray. Verse 18, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keeping, keep praying for all the Lord's people. What does that mean? What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? It means not just to pray, but to pray with the heart and the agenda of Jesus Christ. It means to pray that the Spirit's love for others will fill our hearts so that we can be in unity with the Spirit and join and pray together. Ed Silvoso said that he had been not praying in the Spirit for years. And he said I, the Spirit had to show him how to pray in the Spirit. And the reason he knew he had not been praying in the Spirit for years was because he was not praying in love. And here's what he said. He said, I became aware of my own belligerence towards the lost the first time I tried to do evangelism in our neighborhood. Instead of claiming the promises of God to deal with the problems I saw in my neighbor's lives, I told God about everything that was wrong with these people. I talked to him in disgust about the unwed mother and how she had to change because she was such a bad example to my daughters. I demanded that he do something about the couple who kept us awake at night with their arguing and fighting and yelling. I complained about the depressive neighbor whose front yard was a disgrace and a bane to the real estate values on our block. And of course, I did not forget about the teenager on drugs. I made it perfectly clear to the Lord what a detriment this young man was to our neighborhood. And all of a sudden, he said, I sense God saying, Ed... I am so glad you have not witnessed to any of these people yet. Surprised, I asked, Lord, why is that? And the Spirit's reply was very sobering. Because I don't want your neighbors to know that you and I are related. I hurt when they hurt. I reach out to them. I constantly extend grace to them. I am the God who causes the sun to rise over the righteous and the unrighteous alike. I love them, but you don't. You resent them. Rather than being an advocate for them, a lawyer for the defense, you are instead a witness for the prosecution, if not the prosecutor himself some days. And then the Lord rebuked me saying, Ed, unless you love them, I cannot trust you with their lives. 
Right there on a sidewalk in my own neighborhood, Silvoso said, under tremendous conviction of the Holy Spirit, I cried out to God to make my heart more like His. That was the first inklings to Silvoso that he was not praying in the Spirit. How do we join with the Spirit to defeat Satan's attacks? It's not just by rebuking the devil and yelling, get out, although that's certainly appropriate and necessary at times. The way you undo demonic atmospheric pollution is to continually bless each other in prayer. It is to pray for each other in the love of the Spirit. It is to put on the shoes of peacemaking and start walking in the Spirit. I remember one time I was in a conflict with someone. I actually had to call in a mediator. I was so upset. And, and I remember after we reconciled, I looked at the person and I said, you know, I need to quit praying at you and praying for you. A lot of times that's what we do, isn't it? God, this person makes me sick. You know, and, and please hear me on this. If that's where you need to start, that's great. I, I'm a big advocate of total honesty. We get nowhere with God without total honesty. And if you don't like somebody, you tell God you don't like them. And if you want God to crush their bones into dust just like David did, have at it. Sooner or later, sooner you must later, tune into the Spirit. And sooner or later, once you got the garbage out, you must let the Spirit in and let the love of the Spirit come into you and saturate you so that you can pray in the Spirit. And pray especially for the people that drive you the craziest. Now, I want you to get up and go to the person you dislike the most right now and tell them you forgive them. I'll give you five minutes. Go ahead. Okie dokie. You're quenching the spirit. Anyway, here's the point. Pray until you can pray for people in love, especially in this church where there are so many natural dividing points created by 400 years of ugly American history. Pray for the love of Christ to saturate our hearts in this place. You want to clean up the atmosphere? Let the love of Jesus be here. Pray that the footholds of history cannot be extorted by the enemy. Remember, I will quote to you what the Lord said to Savoso. He said, Ed, if Jesus is their friend, you cannot be their enemy. That's true for all of us. If Jesus is someone's friend, you cannot be their enemy. Especially here. If Jesus loves someone, I have to pray until I love them too. And the atmosphere will change. Because if the love of the Spirit fills this place, Satan cannot win. Why? Because he cannot gain a foothold here. Paul says, put on the shoes of peacemaking. And he says in Romans 16, 20, that Satan will be crushed under our feet as we share the gospel of peace. When we bless those who curse us, the Spirit is released. Hallelujah. When we repent of bitterness and resentment and mistrust, the Spirit depollutes the atmosphere. 
praying peace in the Spirit, praying love in the Spirit, stomps all over Satan and crushes him. You know, the, the usual way people deal with Satan is go, I rebuke you, you know. But, you know, that doesn't bother him as much as people praising God in his presence and loving each other in the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. Paul says, if you, if you walk and pray in the Spirit and put on the shoes of peacemaking, he says, beneath your feet, Satan will be crushed. I like that. And so I, I, I end with these three things. If you have a foothold, an addiction, something controls you, your assignment is to pray and find somebody to walk in the light with. Okay? Ask God to guide you. And if you don't know where to start, you can call the office. You can call one of us. We will be glad to try to help you. But there's so much out there. There's no excuse. Between our, 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 our life groups and, 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 you know, the men's groups and the women's groups and the prayer groups and, the, and, and you know, the mature Christians out there and... And the staff, and I, I mean, there's so many people you can walk in the light with. Walk in the light! And then pray. The second thing is pray for the Spirit, for you to help pe bless people who drive you crazy. Pray. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. And that, the main reason for that is to change the spiritual atmosphere. And then pray for the leadership and pray for Satan to be cast out of our church. And I don't mean just the building, just, just to be cast out, to go. He has taken too many pounds of flesh. He has hurt too many people. I believe if we can have a breakthrough in this area, Revival may be closer than we ever imagine it. There is something fighting us because God wants to do something great here. Something great here. Take care of some business. But first, we have to take... So, here's what we're going to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to deal with one of those three things. I want you to ask God if you have a bondage... And an addiction. I want you to ask God to give you the courage and the wisdom to find somebody and walk in the light. And if that's not your issue, I want you to pray for your enemies, especially if they're in here, so that the atmosphere will be cleaned up. Or if those two don't do it, I want you to pray that Satan is cast out of this place and out of this church and out of our lives and that the Spirit moves in unprecedented ways. One of those three. I'm going to give you four or five minutes just to pray that. Spirit, do your work among us. Destroy all satanic footholds in this place. Lord, we realize that we can shoo Satan away all we want, but if the, if the garbage and the food on the floor is still there, the rats keep coming back. 
clean us up. Help us walk in the light. Remove the footholds, Jesus. Help us to love each other like you love us. Pour your love into our hearts, into our hearts, into our souls. Do not let the atmosphere be polluted, Jesus. Forgive us. Forgive us for the little grudges we hold and the little judgments we make. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to love in your spirit. And Lord, help us to pray in the spirit. Help us, Lord, to take authority where we have authority. Lord, give us a breakthrough here. Lord, as we remove the footholds and as we walk in the light and as we pray in your spirit and as we put on the full armor of God, Lord, let there be a breakthrough. Lord, we are tired of people being hurt and things breaking and just the distractions of it all. Give us a breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, Satan, you must go, and we agree together. And that there must, that the Holy Spirit has free reign here, and you have no place or claim on anyone here anymore. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And the people of God say to that, Amen. Amen. Lord, help us to do our part in this war. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I'd like the worship team to come forward. I'd like the intercessors to come forward. If the devil's had your life for long enough, or the powers and principalities, we would be glad to pray with you to receive the only power in the universe that can defeat that enemy, Jesus himself. If you would like prayer for anything, you can come up and we will be glad to pray for you about that, anything. Would you stand, please? Let's sing and let's worship and let's thank God that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world.
Father God, we're reminded this morning of your love. But help us to leave this place knowing that we're no longer lukewarm. We're no longer able to, to deny the truth that we are indeed in a war. We're in a war with the prince of the power of this air. But Lord, help us to not be caught in the middle. Help us to be bold enough to let our light shine for you. And God, we pray now that as we leave, help us to be reminded that in honesty and vulnerability with you, we can have every bondage broken. But help us to be empowered that in vulnerability and honesty with each other, we can let our light shine even brighter. So Lord, we praise you this morning and we give you all the glory this morning that as your people, we have a God who's on our behalf fighting for us and fighting to set us free. So God, help us to walk in light. Help us to love in light. Help us to walk together. Help us to journey as we go on, Lord. Help us to not only acknowledge the battle that we're in, but help us to be more than conquerors that you've called us to be. In your holy and precious name, Lord, we pray. Amen. God be with you.